Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for tuning in today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving week. This is episode number 43 of the podcast, and I am so glad you are here. I hope this podcast can keep you company. You may hear some little voices in the background as I'm doing some of these intros and ads and whatnot because my kids are all home, and that is what we're working with. (laughs) I love the holiday season so, so much, and I am so glad that it's finally here. No lie, my Christmas tree has been up for two weeks, so don't at me. (laughs) But I hope no matter what your plans are, you have a wonderful time your family. In light of the fact that the holidays can bring out some grumbles and some contention sometimes and some, you know, emotions, let's just say, I thought my guest today would be a perfect fit. Trisha Goyer is my guest. She is the author of a brand new book called The Grumble Free Year. We're going to be talking about what that looked like in her family to help them to stop grumbling. She added seven children in less than six years through adoption to her family. And they did not want to just live in survival mode. They wanted to move into a unity mindset and growth. And they decided to tackle the impossible, a grumble-free year. And so in her book, she documents that 12-month journey. And so she talks about what that actually tangibly looked like. Should we talk about adoption? It's just such a great conversation. And if grumbling is something that is a part of your family's culture currently and you want to find actionable ways to eliminate that, check out her book and check out this episode. So happy Thanksgiving and let's get to it with Trisha. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Trisha Goyer today. Hi, Trisha. Hey, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Where am I speaking to you from today? I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have never been to Arkansas. Tell me about Little Rock, Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) So we moved here. I grew up in California. Then we lived in Montana for 15 years and my husband got a job in Arkansas and I'm like, oh my goodness. It just sounds like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It is so beautiful. There's tons of trees. It's really lush. There's like hills and rivers. I mean, I was surprised how pretty it is. Although sometimes we don't want the, the story to get out how pretty okay. it is. Because it's pretty quiet around here. Yeah. It's kind of like Austin, Texas. Like for a while it was like kind of under wraps and stuff. And now it's just like traffic and everyone moving there and everything. And so we'll, we'll keep it hush hush about Little Rock. Okay. <laughs> Well, I am so thrilled to be chatting with you. We're going to talk about your motherhood journey and a new book you have coming out called The Grumble Free Year. I only have three kids. You have a lot more than I do, but there's plenty of grumbling that goes on at my home, and I'm so excited to hear about your year challenge that you took on with your family. So, But for to start, for people that may not know you, Trisha, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Sure. Well, I'm married to John. We've been married for 29 years. I was actually a teen mom. Um, before I met and married him, and then it was during my teen years that I dedicated my life to God and said, you know, please bring me a future husband. So mm. he brought me John, and then we had two more kids right away. And then when those kids were nearly grown, our youngest was 16, we just felt called to adoption. Um, we adopted a baby girl from um, a birth mom when, at, when she, right when she was born. So she was only six days old when we brought her home. And then God called us to adopting from foster care. So we have adopted um, two different sibling groups from foster care. First, a 
group of two and then a group of four teen girls that we finalized adoption um, in 2016. And so our family has grown. We now have 10 kids. Um, two of my older kids are married and then they have kids. So I have grandkids. So my youngest son and my grandson are only six months apart. So it keeps <laughs> me young. Um, but I'm also a writer, a speaker, a podcaster. Um, been doing all those things too. So it's just the balance of taking care of kids, writing books, um, you know, slipping away. I homeschooled my kids. So I slipped away, gave them a break, and came to record this with you. So oh. it's balancing all the things. You need to do more things. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just bored around here. You need to, like, bring a puppy into the mix or something like that. Oh, we have we have two dogs. Oh, oh perfect. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Oh, perfect. Trisha, wowie. Can we start with your teen motherhood? I don't know anybody personally who has become a teen mom, but I have such compassion for young girls that end up in a situation like that and feel not only the weight and responsibility of bringing a life into the world, but also the shame and the stigma and everything. Can you tell me about that season of your life? And did anybody do or say anything that was helpful um, to support you and help you to believe that you're you're not identified by that choice or by by that outcome and that experience, but there's a whole life in front of you and there's redemption in the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I, you know, I'd grown up in church, my mom and my grandma um, became Christians when I was in the second grade. And so I grew up going to Sunday school and my teen years, I was definitely like into guys, not into God, uh, which <laughs> led me down the wrong path. And when I found myself pregnant, I was ashamed. I was like so embarrassed and um, I dropped out of regular high school. I'd been a cheerleader, an honor roll student. We went to a very small school. There's only 200 high schoolers in the whole school. So it was like 40 something in my graduating class. So like everyone knew everyone and was so embarrassed and um, ended up just dropping out of life. I finished my credits at home, but it was actually my mom and my grandma's Bible study group that reached out to me. They um, told me they wanted to give me a baby shower. They kept inviting me to my, my grandma's house to Bible study and I would go basically for the food because it was like <laughs> a lunch and I would like take a nap on the couch. But after a while I started like paying attention and they just poured love into me and that made a huge difference in my life. Just realizing that maybe if these women like reached out to me and loved me that God would too. And that's when about six months along, I said, God, I have messed up, but if you can do anything with my life, please do. And that's where I just felt this life and hope and joy come into my heart. I was still six, oh, I was still 17, still pregnant, mm. still, you know, unsure about my future. But just those women's example really showed me that, you know, if they loved me, that God could too. Yeah. And I love that your circumstances didn't change, but your heart did right. and the hope did. And that's possible for anybody, no matter what circumstance or challenge they're currently facing right now. It's the mindset shift. It's the heart change. And it's the willingness to just say, like, work, work a mighty work in me, Lord. And, and he'll do that every time. I love that. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in real quick and thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Skylight Frame. So it's the week of Thanksgiving, the shopping season is upon us, and I know that you have that person on your list that is impossible to shop for, but you want something really special. Maybe it's your mom or your dad, or your spouse or your grandparents. If you want to find that gift that they will always cherish, I cannot recommend Skylight Frame enough. 
It's a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere to display new photos. Seriously. So it sets up effortlessly in 60 seconds. You just plug it in, use the touch screen, connect it to your wireless, and you can enjoy these photos. And everyone in the family can email them to your personal Skylight email address and they'll pop up in the frame in seconds. It's a great way for keeping the family close and connected. And it is a gorgeous 10 inch touchscreen frame. You can swipe through the photos with your finger. You can tap to thank the person who sent it. And you guys, you can try this risk-free because it's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't even love it completely, they'll offer you a full refund. So preload it with your favorite photos for Christmas. Give it to that person that's hard to shop for, but so tender and so special to your heart and give them a skylight frame. My grandparents are always asking me for new photos of the kids, and so I'm going to gift a skylight frame to them this Christmas. Don't tell. <laughs> now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code MOMS, M-O-M-S, that's right, to get your $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame. Just go to skylightframe.com frame.com and enter code MOMS. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code MOMS. Thanks so much to Skylight Frames for sponsoring the show. Don't miss out on this special offer and give a gift that you know they will love. Yeah, that's an interesting start to motherhood, right? And and that it definitely shapes your motherhood journey. What did you think motherhood would be like for you and kind of how did it unfold for you? Yeah, I always thought, you know, I mean, I wanted a big family. Even when I was little, I wanted a big family, and I just expected, like, I would marry someone, you know, go to college, marry someone, <laughs> have, the, have the little house with the picket fence, and be able to, like, explain, like, okay, you know, have this announcement when I'm going to be pregnant. And instead, like, I remember telling my boyfriend, um, you know, by the side of McDonald's, by the trash can, that I was pregnant, and he wanted me to have an abortion. And, I mean, it was just, like, not what I had planned. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but God brought me John. I started praying for someone that would love me and love my son. And he brought John. He was the pastor's son. I had gone back to church, and it was the pastor's son. And we started dating and married when Corey was little. So, I mean, Corey doesn't remember a time that without John there. And so God really redeemed it. And I know that doesn't work out for everyone, but God does have good plans for us if we will just turn to him. And so, but as the years gone went by and we started adding more kids it's it got harder again like it was yeah. hard as a teen mom but it was also hard as an adoptive mom especially um adopting kids from hard places and there was a lot of anger that they brought into our home and they'd been our oldest girls had been in foster care for eight years and they even hadn't lived together during that time so there's just a lot of transition so motherhood has not been just the you know here it is married a couple kids <laughs> go on you know everyone does their own thing but it really has been a lot of struggle a lot of turning to God which I'm a pretty independent person so I think God really has used motherhood to shape me and get me to turn to him over and over again and even when we started adopting I was thinking my oldest son was like 23 and I was thinking okay I got this down like my kids are turning out great and they love God and I could do this motherhood thing I know how to be a mom and it was God's like saying here go here you go have fun with these kids wow. um, because it was completely different than what I had experienced even with my older kids. And so I've had to turn to God through so many areas and it just reminds me to humble myself, to seek him, and that it's not about me and what I can accomplish as a mom, but really just allowing him to help me in the process. Yeah, can we talk about adopting siblings? So so the teen girls, how many 
teen sisters did you adopt? Uh, we adopted four. Four. Uh, there's actually, a, there's five of them, and the oldest one had aged out okay. when, uh, by the time we adopted. So there's four. And then before that, we had adopted a sibling group of uh, a little boy and a little girl. They were two and five. Um, wow. So, you know, we had the older kids, and then we had the little girl was three when we adopted the sibling group. So then we had the younger kids. And then we adopted right in the middle. So we kind of filled in the space. But that was tough, too. What's it like to bring in multiple children all at once and assimilate a group of kids? You're not just bringing one by one them in. How did you ease that transition? And especially for the kids that were already in your home, how did you help that transition to go as smoothly as possible? I mean, it's not going to be seamless, obviously. But how did, yeah, what did you learn through that experience? Well, first of all, I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) I was like, you know, we're bringing all these kids in and I'm like, we need order. We need to, you know, I needed to have control. I wanted to set everyone up with chores and have all these rules. And that's not what they needed, especially the teen girls. The younger kids, they did need more of the structure. But the older kids, I mean, they had just been moved around in foster care and group homes. And um, one had been in a therapeutic foster home. They'd been in residential treatment homes. And then right before us, they'd had a failed adoption and then we're in a children's home. So they've had lot of, lots of people with lots of rules and lots of order. Mm-hmm. And here I am. They move in, and I'm like, let's set, the, set up this. And 20 minutes a day reading. They moved in at the beginning of summer, and I'm like, let's get these summer days organized. <laughs> and really, they were just like, they were just wanting parents to just hang out with and to, you know, play games and go to the lake. And here I am trying to order their lives again like every other institution they had been in and I think it really took me just backing off like okay let's just be a family we'll focus on these things later yes we need to work on their manners and their habits and their eating and I mean and chores and their hygiene I mean there's so many things we had to work on but it was just like taking one thing at a time and working on that and um, I learned a lot about anger and about trauma and I even found myself angry which was really challenging like I never thought I was an angry person at all, but when I have, you know, older kids talking rude to the younger kids in the home, I mean, I just found myself getting angry, and so again, turning to God and seeking help and learning how to control myself, even when I felt my heart (laughs) pounding, and um, because when I escalated, it didn't help them at all, and so, I mean, there's so many things I learned on the journey, Um, and it, it just takes kind of, for me, focusing on just that one thing that I need to focus on the day. And there's putting a lot of love, a lot of attention around it um, and not trying to, you know, appear perfect to all the people out there. Cause I think that's another part of me. It's just, I want to like, look at us, look at, we adopt these kids and everything's going great. And just turning to people and asking for prayer and letting them know that things are really, really hard right now. Right. And if you feel called to adoption, you feel like, well, this is what I felt like we were supposed to do as a family. You would think, you know, God will make it a little easier on you, right? And make it at least make you feel, you know, that equipped nature that he promises to <laughs> make you, right? And so, oh, but it doesn't feel like that all the time. I think one of the the main things that I've learned as a mom is whenever we can put ourselves in our kids' shoes, mm-hmm. that is the game changer, right? And so you haven't walked where these girls have walked or your other kids, and you haven't had these life experiences of years in foster care. I mean, I can you even fathom and we're not even asked to put ourselves in those shoes very often as privileged middle-class people right right so to to enter into that world for the very first time and want them to hup to with our expectations and our rules and our norms I mean it sounds silly and unrealistic 
But yet that's still what we expect of our kids. And same thing for my kids, you know? It's like, okay, it's summer. This is the summer we get better and better and become our best selves and everyone's reading and reading now. If somebody told me like, okay, stop exactly what you're doing right this second and go read for 20 minutes, I don't know. Even if I liked reading, I don't like people telling me what to do and when to do it, right? (laughs) So our kids certainly aren't going to just get on board with that. Did you find that too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, I mean, you know, just thinking about them being in different places and every place they went to had different rules. So all of a sudden I'm like, no, we do this way. This is how we fold our towels. This is how you do your chores. This is, I mean, all this stuff. And they are just like weary, I guess, from, from being different places and all these different people and people lying to them that said that they were going to adopt them forever. And so not only are we setting up the rules and saying this is what you need to do now like you were saying but you know they've had over and over again people say yes we're gonna adopt you and then not Mm. and especially the last people their church built a house for them and then still the adoption fell through and Mm. so here I am saying I'm your forever mom listen to me and do it this way and they're not even sure like they're not even sure that it's going to work out that they're I mean pretty much every other time it hasn't and so a lot of just the walls that were up were up there because they had learned not to trust people instead of trust people and it didn't help when I was like jumping in saying hey this is the way you need to do things my way now right right oh yeah that's a lot that's a lot to take on and so for your other kids how did you help them I mean as a mature adult we have a more mature brain that can say like okay let's put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and realize why this is not working so seamlessly and why you know <clears throat> things are going the way they're going sometimes but for for your other kids how did you help them to have compassion and and an unconditional love towards their new brothers and sisters yeah that's a really good question well you know our older kids it was easier cuz they had grown in a loving home and they're yeah. you know all Christ followers. So it's easy for them. The little kids that were, you know, the ages of like six and under at the time, um, it was harder. But one thing that helped is when we first talked about adopting older kids, we had the little kids pray with us and pray for them and talk about like our family. This is something our family is doing. And so even when we brought the middle kids in, the little kids had a feeling like this is our calling. And they were little. They were like, you know, six, five, and four ages. Um, but they would say, we are adopting you. Like mom and dad aren't adopting you. We are adopting you. Mm. So I guess they just, and they knew we, we try to tell them ahead of time, like, you know, they have had hard things in your, in their lives. And you know, you've had mommy and daddy here to help you and love you. And they always haven't had people and just helping them understand. And there's even times when one of the girls would have me having an angry episode and we could hear, you know, her, my husband trying to talk to her and her screaming in the room and I'd be in with the little kids and we would just get together and pray and pray that God would calm her and that she would realize that she was loved. And so, um, there were, it was hard. It was hard. Like, you know, you always want to keep your kids from the difficult children in like school or the community or wherever. Mm -hmm. And here we are bringing those kids into our home. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, it was challenging at times when they heard things that, you know, I didn't want my little kids hearing. Um, but overall through prayer, through understanding, like this was what God was calling us to do. It made a really huge difference and really just praying that there would be relationships built with all the kids. And for a while it was, especially with the middle girls, 
because it was them against the world for so long, it was like, this is our biological siblings, and mm. I'm only going to get Christmas presents for my biological siblings, and this is us, and they try to have family meetings just with them, and we're like, no, you're all part of a family, and now, I mean, our adoption was finalized, um, you know, three years ago, and so now they're very much intertwined with all the kids, like, they spend time with each other, they're all siblings now, but it was a growing process of just us spending that time together and they're gonna be better for it like in the thick of it and especially when you make choices that kind of bring on additional challenges and you knew that you knew it wasn't Mm going to be easy on your other kids or on yourself but when you know you see your kids you know having to sacrifice more or you know quote unquote suffer a little more or it makes you more angry and you're like gosh like I chose this it's kind of hard to wrestle with with that like when you bring it on yourself, I've had those experiences as well. Yeah. And, and then you mentioned earlier, like, like even with God, like God, you asked us, like we, it was so clear, like one church service where John and I both knew that we were supposed to adopt older sibling, like the older sibling oh. group. And we were crying and we got to the car and I told them what I felt and God was speaking the same thing to his heart. But then like, so we have that moment, but then like, months later we're like what in the world yeah where's the help where's the support yeah god like seriously like this is what you called me to as i'm dealing with angry kid or i'm cleaning up messes or i'm like this is what i'm I'm supposed to be doing and i just felt god's like yeah yeah this is what i called you to this is what loving the least of these is all about and i'm like all right like (laughs) i could be speaking i could be traveling and speaking and writing more books and all this stuff but I'm going to be here in this moment and that's where God needed me. And I think sometimes we do think like we are serving him better when we are like reaching bigger audiences. But you know, now, I mean, we have such good relationships with the girls. Like, I mean, they, every morning they hug me and they're so thankful. you know, they say, I'm so thankful you're my mom. And like, they needed that. They needed me. And that crowd, I could just be someone that I speak to them for an afternoon and then they go away and never think about it again. But these, these girls needed someone in their daily lives just to be there for them. Everyone wanted to jump in one more time and thank another show sponsor, and that is Highlands. I've talked about Highlands before, but now that we're in the thick of cold and flu season, you do not want to be left high and dry when one of your kids gets cold or flu-like symptoms and they have ear pain. One of the top 10 causes of ear pain are sinus infections, and colds and flus are major contributors to those sinus infections and the pain. So don't let ear pain ruin your winter fun. If you've been diagnosed or your kids with an earache by a physician, reach for Highlands Eardrops. Highlands Eardrops have natural active ingredients for earache pain relief due to cold and flu and allergies. Highlands Homeopathic has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. There's no alcohol and no sting, so you can get back to doing what you love. Go to highlands.com, visit highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain, H-Y-L-A-N-D-S dot com to find a retailer near you. That's highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Read and follow label directions. I hope you guys stay well this season, but if not, let Highlands help. Okay, let's keep going with Trisha. So how do you prioritize what you want to do when you have so many other dependents and kids and a husband and grandma lives with you? Is that right too? Yeah, my grandma lives with us. She's 90. Oh my Um, gosh. 
so yeah. And the two dogs, oh. right? So you have and, and the dogs, which I think you might be able to hear them barking. I'm like, so oh, how do you right prioritize? <laughs> Did I read this right? You've written seventy books. I have. Yes. Seven ze- seven zero seven zero. Yeah. How how do you make that time? And I'm and I want so desperately to know this answer because there's moms who are spinning their wheels with toddlers right now feeling like they don't have five minutes to go to the bathroom by themselves right so I think this will provide such hope and clarity and um everything because it it has to be a choice that you make to set aside that time right so how have you been able to do that in in throughout all the different seasons of your life yeah well I think it's helpful to know like I've written 70 books, but I've done it over the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to my first writer's conference when I was pregnant with my third baby. I was 22, pregnant, like, I want to be a Christian writer. Um, but even when I had the three little kids at home, when, you know, my three now adult children, when you're younger, it was, it was that time of um, choosing to get up before everyone else and having quiet time reading my Bible and praying because I know everything went better when I did that and I would set an alarm get up before the kids and I still do that I have at least an hour hour and a half before anyone else wakes up where it's my time with God and I have my worship music playing and I you know, have my scriptures that I'm writing in my journal and I, I really need that time um, but it's also you know, when I had just three kids at home and I was homeschooling, I'd have time in the afternoon where it was just, you know, an hour or two a day. And like, this is mom's writing time. And I gave them their Play-Doh or their, you know, books that they were to read. Or you know, this was back in the Barney days. They'd have Barney on the TV <laughs> they were doing all those things. And they would say, mom, I want you to do this. And I'm like, this is mom's writing time. And it really came just that one hour to two hours a day where they learned like, this is what mom is doing right now. And it's amazing how that, daily practice and the faithfulness um over the years it adds up like so if you spend an hour a day you know and I don't write on Sundays at all that's my day to rest but you know for what 300 and something days a year taking the the Sundays out at the end of the year there's you have something to show for it and so with that daily persistence um it does add up and I think it really has benefited me because I've always had kids at home I've always homeschooled I've always had kids at home so when I sit down for an hour or two I know how to just like focus and get things done and I have Mm -hmm. friends that you know will play solitaire for an hour or you know go to the library and they get distracted or I mean all the things that they're doing in in they call it writing but they're really not writing it's their writing time Mm -hmm. um but my mind can't wander like that because I'm like okay I got an hour this article's due you know just I mean just the other day, my kids had cheer practice. I have four of them in, in cheer right now. And so I dropped them off. I went to a coffee shop. I wrote an article for Focus on the Family. And by the time I picked it up, I had already emailed that into the editor there because <laughs> I had to do it. Like, this is my deadline. This is something I have to do. So it actually has benefited me. And I think it's also important to know, like, that even though I'm taking this time, it's showing my kids, like, this is what it means to follow God. And this is what it means to serve him and serve other people. And this is something that God's called me to. And I think so many times as moms, we tell our kids, like, we want you to go have amazing lives and follow your dreams and do all these things, but we're not showing them how to do it. Mm. And so if God has stirred something within us, that is his calling. Like, if you feel called to write, or you feel called to lead a Bible study, if you feel called to, you know, serve other people in some way, that's not you, it's God, like, mm-hmm. no, no one out in their right mind, like, wants to go and get rejected, and send books in, and, you know, work with editors, and spend all this time, I mean, it is God's call upon you, so, 
it's really it's showing our kids and modeling for them what it means to walk out, what he's telling us to do and to serve him, even in the midst of busy days. I think that is so, so fantastic. And we certainly can't give to all the people around us if we're feeling depleted or resentful or lingering longer than we have to in that angry face and space, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's a swap of energy. It's a swap of time. Um, You know, what is that hour that you are kind of squandering away that you could use still in the name of quote unquote self-care, but moving you closer to who you want to be or what you want to do? Right? And oh gosh, it just fills you up. So at the end of the day and you lay your head down, you're just as exhausted, but you're not depleted. There's such Mm -hmm. a difference in that when you're doing what you feel like you're supposed to be doing. And and I love that that you mentioned modeling that for your kids. I I do think that is absolutely huge. And in your book, so the new book that we're going to talk about today is The Grumble Free Year, 12 Months, 11 Family Members, and One Impossible God. And you wrote that um, when you and your husband were starting to adopt children, you just had one goal, surviving, surviving. So in 2013, when when you start that adoption journey, you're adding um, kids to your home, you're assimilating them into your family and your norms and everything. Yeah, survival sounds like a good a good plan, right? So I want to know what shifted and you felt like survival's not enough anymore. There's complaining going on. There's discord. Like you said, you were kind of falling into some anger traps like they were, you know, things like that. When did you realize, A, you wanted it to be different and B, you believed it could be different? Yeah, that is such a good question. And it really came down to, because we were settled, like we all felt like, okay, we're bonding together as a family. We had got over a lot of the big, big anger problems. And then it was like this undermining thing, this grumbling, complaining. You tell someone to do a chore. And like we had the chore system by this point. Like people were progressing in the right way. So the things are getting done. It was just the way it was getting done. It was people grumbling as they're loading the dishwasher or they're grumbling as they sit down to do their homework or why do I have to do this or why can't I watch a TV first? And it just get, got to be where the whole house was just in a funk. Like everyone was complaining about everything and no one was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely wasn't enjoying it. They weren't enjoying it. And we ended up going on this road trip. And so, you know, of course there's grumbling, like why do we have to eat at this fast food and not this, you know, other fast food we drove from Little Rock to Seattle. And by the time we got there, John and I, like, John and I were like, we need to do something different. And we had been talking about like maybe doing a family cruise or some kind of family vacation that would benefit them. You know, but like they wanted to get out of the country, not only, you know, just do road trips. And we said, why don't we plan that our whole family, let's try to go a year without grumbling. And then at the end of the year, we can go on a family cruise. And it was kind of a big promise, but we also knew that it had to be big enough that we would stick to it. Um, because, you know, otherwise it could be like everything else, like every exercise program <laughs> or whatever yeah. that I've tried, it lasts for two days and then we're done. Um, and so really, because it was a big enough goal, first of all, um, trying to go for a year without grumbling, we really had to be purposeful about like, how are we going to do this? How are, what things do we want to teach our kids? What scriptures do we want to work on? How do we want to incorporate these things? And then say, you know, if you work at it, this is something we can all look forward to as a family and we knew the benefit would, was more than just this family trip it was our attitudes changing but it was a hard year and there was some months I'm like this is ridiculous why am I even <laughs> trying but near the end like just that persistence I was amazed 
by how things had changed and just even the attitude. And even I was writing through the year as we were going along. And by the end of the year, when I went back to read some of the early chapters, I'm like, wow, we have changed. And I think sometimes we forget that that daily persistence can pay off in the long run. Yeah. And you write about how one of your kids um, was experiencing a year of therapy and a lot of work on both you and your husband's parts and everything. And the therapist made abundantly clear that your job was to keep silent about all the things that your kids were doing wrong and to loudly and excitedly praise even the small things Mm -hmm. they were doing right. So this mission of not grumbling for a year, it's not just about keeping quiet and building up silent resentment about everyone in your family. So it's not just the withholding and biting your tongue. It's actually, again, like what we talked about before, a swap of energy, a swap of thoughts, a swap of sentiments and emotions. And instead of looking for the negative, it's swapping that out. And what can you praise? Right? So, So how did that evolve? And how did that evolve for you? And then... What did you see in your kids? Yeah, well, first of all, they love it when we praise them. And, yeah. you know, when we, when I, we see one of our kids, like, doing loading the dishwasher or taking out the trash, um, that's what they're supposed to do, right? That's I mean, it's on the chore chart. But for me to say, wow, you are doing a good job. I love how you're rinsing those dishes. It's like, then they'll do a better job. And they start scrubbing the dishes more. Or, you know, I say great job taking out the trash and you did so good thank you I appreciate your help I could take out the other trash can too it's like it energizes them and we love when someone says you're doing a good job and I notice you and I think in our lives I mean as parents we're walking around we have our cell phones we're checking all the apps we're looking on Instagram we're noticing everyone else and we're not noticing our kids and we're not praising them so when we give them that when we praise them when we say you are doing great it they want that they want that more they want our attention and they'll want to do better over and over again and it comes back to first of all me because I was grumbling I'm like no one picks up after themselves and look at all the shoes and this is your stuff and I was getting tired of myself doing that and it came to me humbling myself and saying man I had a bad attitude and not only do do you not all like it not like it but God doesn't like it either and so just going back to like when we are grumbling, we're not only impacting the people in our home, but we're telling God, like, what you have given us is not good enough. And how, mm-hmm. you know, the family you've given us or the house we're given us or all the things we're grumbling about is not good enough. And it came to me humbling myself, confessing it in front of my kids. And, you know, we read through the book of Exodus, which is just grumbling after grumbling after <laughs> grumbling. But I also took them to Psalms. And when we would, we would read the Psalms and talk about, like, how David and others praise God, it's like this is what, what God wants from us. He wants our praise. He wants us to be lifting him up and be thankful. And not only do our kids like it when we're saying thank you, you know, our God loves it. When we're saying, God, this day is amazing. Thank you that I'm walking, that I'm breathing. And yeah, the house is messy, but thank you for the house. And mm. just once we start doing that, our minds will focus on the good instead of what is not good enough. Yes, and you see more of what you're looking for, right? The, yeah, the, the good absolutely. aspects have been there all along. But if you're in a mindset and in a season of looking for the negative, maybe you're in kind of a bad way with your husband and in a rut, You're if you're looking for the negative in him, you'll find more evidence to confirm that. And in the same way, he can do that with you. But the second you really start either praising him for the positive or looking for the positive and just thinking those thoughts and then acting genuinely in response to those thoughts – the, that it just becomes so much more abundant 
Yeah, and everything changes. And one of the biggest lessons during the year was my grandma ended up breaking her back. Um, So we had just started in August. In November, she broke her back. And so she fell in her room. And um, she was on bed rest. She had a brace on. Like, she couldn't even get out of bed. And she has dementia, so she would forget. So we'd always have to go in there. We had an alarm when she tried to get up and say, Grandma, your back is broken. You can't get up. And she's like, oh, no. And so it's like a daily thing. You're having to remind her that she broke her back. Wow. So she didn't remember that she broke her back. She didn't remember that she couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't remember that she couldn't go in and just hop in the shower and take a shower herself. But what she did remember is how to praise. And so our homeschool room is right next to her room. It's we, we homeschool in the dining room, and it's right next to her room. And we would hear her praying for every member of the family and praising God. She would sing these hymns and just lift him up and just praise him. And I'd be like, guys, like, we're grumbling because we don't want peanut butter and jelly for lunch. And she is praising God even though she's flat on her back and can't even move. And it, that was, like, the biggest thing for us, the biggest it just reminded us that that praise can be hardwired in. And we talked about just even how it affects our minds when we start focusing on the praise over and over again. My grandma didn't even become a Christian. And like I mentioned, until I was in second grade. So she was in her fifties when she became a Christian. But during that time, after she became a Christian, she would just listen to worship music and read her Bible and sing hymns during her day. And that was what stuck. Like when she couldn't even remember that her back was broken, she could sing sing like every line of her favorite hymn. And it just was a huge reminder to us that like what we focus on is what gets hardwired into our brain. And for my grandma, it was praise and it can be praise for all of us too. That is such a great reminder. And it really shows what is at her core, you know, all the other details of life even a broken back. I can't even, I mean, can you fathom? And again, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, that's just heartbreaking. You know, it's got to be so yeah. frustrating to care for somebody who, you know, puts themselves at risk when they, you know, are trying to get up or whatever. But, oh, it's just heartbreaking. So, but I love that at her core is is being grateful exactly where you are, uh, even, even when the circumstances are really hard. Hey, everyone. Wanted to jump in one last time and thank our final show sponsor, Vistaprint. I've talked about their business cards before, but you guys, it is holiday card season and don't wait until the last minute. Christmas cards can be so fun to send out and to choose the pictures, and it could be a collage of pictures throughout the year or a professional family photo sitting, whatever. But don't you just love receiving those cards in the mail? It means so much when I open up my box in December and there is a Christmas card from somebody I haven't seen in years. It keeps me up to date and makes me feel so loved and special that they thought to send me a card. There are tons of options when it comes to Christmas cards and so I just wanted to highly recommend a Vistaprint for selecting your holiday cards this season. It's so easy. You pick a shape like square rounded corners, folded or flat, choose one of Vistaprint's designs. They have so many to choose from. You're going to find one you love. You drag in your picture or pictures. It's so easy. Figure out how many you need or a few extras because I had to place two orders and then send them out. It is so easy, so much fun to receive. So don't be a Scrooge and make sure you send out holiday cards this year and order them through Vistaprint. So this season, make more merry at vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and photo calendars, plus great deals on photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code EMP50, that's vistaprint.com, promo code EMP50, 
Offer expires January 5th. Order your cards, get some personalized gifts, and you're one click away from having your Christmas shopping and holiday cards done. Thanks, Mr. Print, for sponsoring the show. And I think, too, when we're trying to teach our kids to have positive mindsets, to not grumble, to exemplify the fruits of the spirit, you know, things like that. We think if they're not doing those things, I don't know. It's like a reflection of us as a mom and Mm -hmm. it's like a personal kind of attack against us, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Have you felt like that before? And so it's really got to be a shift as somebody that wants to create this culture in your home. It has to be something that you do out of wanting to create the culture, not out of trying to control the behavior of other people. Did you kind of wrestle with that? Yeah. And when I would, like when we first started adopting our kids, um, I would always feel like I had to explain to people. (laughs) Like I remember being at at Chick-fil-A once and my little guy who was almost three, like was diving under the tables and like eating drop fries, you know, from the ground because he, I mean, he just hadn't learned that we're actually going to get food and be able to sit at the table. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. just so, um, he just had a really hard few first years and so I remember going up to people and like grabbing him from under the table and like we just adopted him and like then they then they felt pity instead of you know I felt like they were giving me pity instead of like what a horrible mom her kid eats off the floor mm. but even with the older girls I'd want like oh they're just adopted like this is why they're having this attitude or this is why and I felt God saying like you don't need to explain like they don't need to know like these are sh- like strangers the people that know me know that you know we're they're adopted and we're working on this but like it's it doesn't matter if people look at you bad. Like, this is what, you just need to love them. You don't need to apologize because the kids would hear me mm-hmm. apologizing for them and trying to explain that they were adopted and all the things. And so just say, you know what, just, you know, don't worry about other people's opinions. Just focus on, I know you're doing all you can. I know that you're loving these kids. I know that you're training them to the best of your abilities and just be okay with that. And then, like you were saying, even when it comes back to, a reflection on us it it was kind of discouraging at first when there wasn't a lot of change and we started like we're reading scripture and we're talking about these things and I'm making color sheets and we're trying to be grateful and it's like yeah. is any of this working like I'm writing this down so I want this to become a book and I don't even know if I have anything to offer anybody because it's not working and, and again it came back to God saying that to that verse that goes talks about his word does not return void like just read the bible with them talk about the fruit of the spirit we would pray every day for the fruit of the spirit in our lives and read these scripture verses you know memorize them as a family and then let him do the work and i think so many times we were like a plus b equals c like (laughs) now everyone needs to not grumble but really god's like okay a is just get them to understand my word b i will work in them and c then you will know it's me not you (laughs) i think (laughs) so many of that it was it's not just about like us trying to do make them act a certain way it was like we need to just give them God's word and know that he will work and it was as we started going along all of a sudden I'm like wow she just said yes mom instead of arguing me when I just asked her to do something like you know go to clean a room or something I'm like that is God at work her it wasn't anything that I was trying to accomplish and the more we we just sit there and you know they'd be there like why do we have to keep working on this and I mean they're grumbling about learning not to grumble Right. Um, but we would just read the scriptures. We would work on the memory, memorizing them and let God's word 
do the work that it was supposed to do, but I just had to be faithful of showing them that this is the way that God expects us to do things. Right, and that had to be really hard for you to not grumble about them grumbling. So you had like a double whammy. Like not only are you trying to not grumble yourself about your own, you know, discomfort about things, but then to not criticize them when they're continuing Mm -hmm. that behavior, but instead replacing it with just positive modeling and scripture and things like that. Is that just kind of the approach then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And things that I thought we would try, like I thought we would use a gratitude jar, which meant every time they grumbled that they would have to put a praise instead towards God or something they're thankful for in a gratitude jar. And it didn't work because if we have a kid that's already in a bad mood and like she's grumbling about doing her chore and I'm like, you need to go write something now for the gratitude jar. And she was like, I don't want to write something for the stupid gratitude jar. And I'm like, well, now you have to write two things for the gratitude jar. <laughs> yeah. And it went back until the point she had to write like nine things. <laughs> and finally she just grabbed the paper and wrote, I didn't even see what she wrote. She just wrote some stuff, threw it in there and like, fine, it's done. And I'm like, okay, that did not work. <laughs> right. <laughs> that did not work. And again, another time later when we were in a grateful mood, we had just done Bible study. We'd read, been reading through the Psalms. We were talking about what we were grateful for. Um, that same child's like, what if we wrote stuff for the gratitude jar right now? Because we were feeling grateful and we did. And we put those and we still have the gratitude jar in our dining room that when we're feeling grateful, we will write things. It's not something you can't force gratitude. Mm -hmm, (laughs) You mm -hmm. can't force someone's bad attitude to change, but we can more and more just like, you know, pointing out the good things. We can take note of when we are grateful and, and, write down those gratitudes and change those things and it really um over the year it became more of us catching ourselves because when I pointed out things like you said it's it's me grumbling about their grumbling that (laughs) didn't work and I think the culmination came um when at the end of the year um well it was uh, July we were doing the Build-A-Bear thing I don't know if you saw on the news the big Build-A-Bear everyone was going to Build-A-Bear too um, you could get your bear for a dollar and I thought this will be fun. We'll take the kids. There's a build a bear right in our town. And so we went there and there's a long line, but we made the best of it and we were getting fast food and we were, they were, you know, taking turns walking around looking at stuff in the mall. We were playing games and playing on my phone and it got fun. You know, the first five hours <laughs> we kept standing there and it get closer. And the hard thing is that you could see it. Like you could see the store, like we're close to the, and it took a long time and finally after nine hours we were standing at the threshold and we'd been waiting nine hours in the mall and i've kept i mean i told the kids like halfway through the day like i'll just go to walmart and buy you bears like we don't yes. need to do this but then it was just the point of no let's finish this like we, they wanted to do it and so as we're standing at the threshold we're looking in and we see the security guards talking to each other oh, no. on their walkie-talkies I'm like oh no No. oh no No. like we're literally gonna be the next people in and I just knew I just could tell by the way they were looking at the crowd and so I said are we gonna be able to get a bear like we've just been standing there nine hours and they said ma'am we have hundreds of people after you it's nine o'clock the mall has to shut down like in an hour we have to get these people out of here they, they said, everyone will be able to come pick out a bear, but it's not going to have any stuffing. <laughs> so you're going to get an unstuffed bear. And we were, like, the next ones in. <sighs> and, I, and the first thing in my mind was, of course, we're doing the grumble for a year. Because like, all day I'm like, look at us. We're kind of, you know, we're having good attitudes for 
standing in line all day. And so then the kids, the little kids, a couple of little kids started crying and the older ones are like, what? Just let us in. You know? And I said, well, that's not fair to the next people behind us. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, guys, guys, this is what we've been working on all year. Remember? We grumble when we're tired. We grumble when things don't get this way. I think this is just our chance to show God, like, that we can we can be okay with these circumstances. We'll come back later. We can come back, you know, in a couple of days. We can get the bears filled. But right now, let's just, like, prove what we've been working on. And it was amazing. Like, all their attitudes were able to switch around and were able to say that, you know, this is the best day ever. We got fast food. We can hear. We got flat bears. We're the first ones to get flat bears. <laughs> and it, in the way home, we ended up making this funny video that I ended up posting on, on uh, Facebook. But all of us were like, it's the best day ever. And so it was in that moment that I'm like, okay, even though all through the months there was times where like, I don't think this is working at all. It was in that moment where I'm like, this is our chance to show God that like we have been paying attention yeah. and we can have good attitudes. And it, in, in that time, it, you know, they, we were able to pull it around. Um, and not the, you know, we're a perfect family at all now. I mean, we still have grumbles, but in the moment we I could just say, Hey, is that a grumble? And they know, like we've been working on this. We know what we, how we should act. We know that we need to be praising God instead of complaining and um, we kind of are able to pull it around faster than we ever were before. And even, again, going through the book now that it's almost released, it's been almost um, you know, a year and a half since we, or two years since we started our challenge, because um, I went through the writing process and stuff afterwards, reading back how much we grumbled, I'm like, okay, there's definite change. Like, that year was worth it, even though we're not perfect, we'll yeah. never be perfect taking the time and being diligent made a huge difference. Well, yeah, and it's about measuring the progress, not the perfection, yeah. right? So, yeah, I could see how after a year you would think, come on, guys, like if you're having, you know, kind of an off day. Remember this year we just had? <laughs> like, was it for yeah. nothing, you know? But but it's the snapback, right? It's the it's the, it's the muscle memory that you develop through these, these positive habits. And a year committed to anything, can develop really strong habits and if and if you're intentional about that yeah there's going to be long lasting good fruit even when it's inconsistent but i think that bounce back is is so huge so how was your trip in the end and were you worried that any kids weren't going to successfully join you <laughs> yeah well there was times i'd be like you're not gonna go on the trip <laughs> if you keep grumbling but then i'm like okay this is not working either yeah but actually the trip was so fun and we just did this little short three-day um, trip to Mexico, which our girls are Hispanic that we adopted. Mm. Uh, well, I'm Hispanic too, but it was fun to be able to go to Mexico and take that and experience that. But it was interesting because we had taken bracelets that we had made, just those little silicone bracelets that said, I can do all things through him. And it said grumble for year on the, the side. And we took them on the ship with us to like, I want them to like say like, look, this is what we did and pass the bracelets out and tell people. And one guy that one of my daughters, she was 13, passed it to this guy. He's like, Hey, she's like, I have a bracelet for you. We are celebrating that we tried to go a year without grumbling. And everyone would be like, well, how did you do that? Like yeah. they were asking my kids, you know, and, and one guy's like, wow, I wanted to bring my kids on this trip. But I didn't because I knew they grumble too much. <laughs> he needs this. And so he took bracelets for him and all of the kids. And so I think just, just that 
our, you know, I want my kids to be able to say, this is what something we worked on together. Like yeah. we haven't gotten it perfect and we had fun and we enjoyed our time as a family. But by the time we got there, it was like, look at, this is something that we worked on. And yeah. it, they were just as proud as that as they were excited about the trip. I love that so much. And I just really encourage the listener to think about something that's not working in their family right now. We all have something and maybe it's grumbling and maybe it's, you know, health habits. Maybe it's bedtime. Maybe it's organization, whatever it is. What's not working right now that you want to address as a family and to counsel together and say, does everybody see that this is not working? How can we tackle this as a family? And maybe it's a 30 day challenge. Maybe it's a year challenge. It doesn't need to be formal, but whatever you want to do to move more in the direction of creating the family culture and the attributes and everything that will get you closer to kind of what you want to be as a family. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And any progress you make is valuable. Um, and so I really encourage people to, to look at their lives in that way and, and come up with a way to measure it, uh, incentivize it and work towards it. And I think it is definitely uh, effort that is worth making for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. I'm glad we did it, even though it was hard. I'm glad we. Yeah. Did it. So I hope everyone will pick up the Grumble Free Year to really see the nitty gritty of how you started this, the ins and outs of the through the that year and everything, and kind of the takeaways. You have great questions at the end of every chapter um, to prompt some some additional thinking and reflection, which I think is so valuable. And where can people um, buy the book? Yep, it's on online bookstores such as Amazon and Barnes and Noble and ChristianBook.com, in local bookstores, and then um, the GrumbleFreeGear.com has more information about the book and um, some free goodies for them if they connect there. Amazing! That is so awesome. Well, I always ask my guests one final question, Trisha, and it's this. So the point of this whole podcast is to help people realize how extraordinary they truly are. And I know that we want our kids to believe in themselves and we're constantly motivating them and building up and focusing on their confidence in things. And especially, I'm sure that's been true in your family as you've seek to, to, to bond with and instill confidence and security and love in your uh, adoptive children and whatnot. But I think we need that for ourselves too. I think we really need to believe in ourselves as mothers because when we can believe in ourselves and believe that we've been given extraordinary gifts by by a good and deliberate Father in Heaven who, who has sent us here for a purpose, we can do so much more with what we've been given. So I want you to tell me, Trisha, what is one thing that makes you extraordinary? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I would think that, I think the thing that I'm... Um, extraordinary about is just if God tells me to do something I just want to do what he says so Mm -hmm. whether it's adopting kids or connecting with another teen mom um, I just want to follow that and if it's hard I just don't want to keep on that path so that was my answer I love that I love that so much and I think it's really important to acknowledge that because that is something that you are gifted at you might think well that's just like normal (laughs) right Uh, or somebody else might think that they're so good at like watching other people's kids and inviting them over and opening their home and dealing with the mess and cleaning up after and everything and they might think well that's just normal right but no (laughs) like not everybody has the faith to do the hardest things and invite siblings and adopt all of them into their home and love them and say we're a family now but that doesn't mean that's not extraordinary about you because for you, that's just a part of who you are, but for others, it's very, very difficult. So 
I just think that's that's a fantastic answer. Trisha, where can people find you? And I'm going to link to everything over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com as well. Yeah, just at TrishaGoyer.com. I'm Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A and mm-hmm. Goyer.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all the social media places, too, which I love connecting with people. Perfect. Thanks so much for taking the time. I might have to venture out to Little Rock sometime. <laughs> oh, I would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> have a Thank great day, you. Trisha. Thanks. I needed that conversation with Trisha so much, especially going into this holiday season where I'm spending more time with my kids. My kids are off all week this week as I'm recording this. And there's just a lot of togetherness, right? And so there's a lot of tendency and opportunity to grumble and to argue and to pick fights with people. But it really, really is true that you will see more of what you're looking for. And I have to model that first. I can't just expect my kids to have great attitudes if I'm stressed, if I'm short-tempered, if I am not seeing seeing and seeking the good in them, right? And so you go first. You go first. And I know you'll see a ripple effect in your family. So if you want to check out Trisha's book, The Grumble-Free Year, everything will be linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com and all the links to our show sponsors today, especially Vistaprint and the Skylight Frame deals. You want to take advantage of that for this holiday season. Absolutely. So that's all over at our website. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Next week, we have another fantastic episode about writing and healing through writing specifically with Jamie Kugelberg. I know you're going to love hearing from her. You guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for you and the listeners of this podcast. I'm so grateful for other intentional mothers because as you mother intentionally, we are all making a difference in this world and we're all in this together. And I've learned so much from all of you and I hope that you've been inspired by these guests on the show as well. So happy Thanksgiving and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.